Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Pastor Natalie. Amen. God's good. Well, that's a poor response. God's good. Amen. 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 In my former life, I did have a former life. I was studying the subject of economics, economics in industry, because I was what I was, but now I'm something else. And I never really understood economics. I still don't understand it today. I don't know if any of you understand economics, but it's not really too technical. And I was a technical man. So this uh, economics was a funny business. But one thing I did learn was something about the word redemption because the lecturers taught us on redemption shares. And if you know about the share market, stocks and shares and the like, and again, I don't know much about that, but I do know that redemption shares were the shares that the company could buy back from the shareholders. They had a right to buy it back. Now, Redemption, of course, doesn't start with my lectures in economics. It goes back way, way before that, right into the Old Testament times. Um, when God was redeeming his people from all sorts of hardships. It's interesting today how many things we do that get us into trouble. Hello? Or is it only just me? All sorts of things we do, we cause. It's like a cause and effect. We say something, we do something, and we get ourselves in a mess, and then we've got to get ourselves out of the mess. I know sometimes when I botched it with Annette, who's there, uh, you, you, you do botch it with your wife occasionally. Well, occasionally. All the time. <laughs> so when you've botched it with your wife <laughs> and committed a sin... <laughs> I find it easier, this is, this is an inside story, don't tell anybody. It's easier for me to go to God and ask him to forgive me. But then I can go to her and say, I've asked the Lord to forgive me, will you forgive me? It's a bit naughty because it puts her in a spot, doesn't it? But in the Old Testament, as we see it progresses, there's a greater emphasis on God redeeming his people from sin. A little word with massive consequences, big. But he was out to redeem his people and restore them to a life of obedience and faithfulness. So in Psalm 103, uh, verses 1 to 5 from the NIV version, and I must just say beforehand, the New King James Version does say bless instead of praise. But praise the Lord, my soul. And all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Pause there, Pete. There is a word from the Lord for all those who need healing from diseases. We should learn, study the word of God. When we have a need in a particular area. If it's finances, read up on what finances and what the Lord says. If it's healing, 
get the scriptures like this one. He sent his word and healed. Psalm 107 verse 20. This Psalm 103. Marvelous. Make the claim against God. For what he says in his word. It's always good to give back to God what he gives to us in our prayers. If you don't know how to pray, pray the word of God. Anyway, that was a bonus for this morning. Who redeems your life from the pit? Redeems them. That's going to be my subject this morning. This message on redemption. Redeems you from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is restored like the eagles. I put that one in for the seniors. So you could have that so you get a Zeus. So who is David speaking to in this psalm? To whom is he speaking more correctly? He's speaking to his soul. He's saying, come on soul, don't forget what God has done. Don't forget he's the redeemer. Don't forget he's the healer. Don't forget he's the deliverer. Come on soul, get on with it. Redeems your life from the pit. Here's a question for you Bible students. Who literally, that's the metaphor there, but who literally was put in a pit? Anybody takers? Any takers? Daniel, well, yeah, the lion's den was a pit, we presume. Oh, you played before because you were here earlier. Joseph, but you all forget about Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet. He, <laughs> the price for his preaching was to put him in a pit and in the mud in the bottom of the pit. Took a crane to get him out. You read it up, it's there. So I'm looking for a definition for this word redeemed. And I couldn't really find one in the Bible dictionaries and the like. And then my mind was taken back to an old Anglican hymn written by Henry Light. And it's Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven. Some of you may know it, you may even know the tune. Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven. And it goes on and says, um, to his feet thy tribute bring. Then there's the definition. There it is. Ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. That's redemption. Ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. Evermore his praises sing. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the everlasting king. Fantastic words in those old hymns. That's what definition gives to us. So I want to pray this morning. Father God, my prayer is that through the sharing of your word, we will all get a better understanding of just what it means to be redeemed and who did that for us. To learn about the one who paid the price. So help us, Holy Spirit, illuminate the scriptures to us as we look into your word today. And all the saints said, Amen. Amen. So my proposition to you is very simply this, that we have been redeemed and it was free because someone else paid the price. So what does the word tell us about redemption? I've got four points. It's a four-point message this morning. Not a three-point sermon, a four-point. So there we go. 
We're going to look at the act of redemption. We're going to look at the means of redemption, the person of redemption, and the price. Now, I cannot save myself. I cannot sanctify myself. I cannot redeem the world. I cannot atone for sins. I cannot make right what is wrong, unless it's wrong with my wife. I cannot make pure what is impure, and I cannot make holy what is unholy. All those things are a work of our sovereign Lord. Now, have we got faith in what Christ has done? I'll do that again. Have we got faith in what Christ has done? That's better. I could do it a third time, but I won't. You see, he's made the perfect atonement. The word of God says, for it is by grace that you are saved, not that of yourselves. You can't do it. It's not what you can do. Not of yourselves. It is a gift from God. It is a gift from God. It's not of works, because then man would boast. Oh, I never kicked the cat. I never shouted at my mother-in-law. I never painted the garage door pink. None of those things. It's no works, nothing. It's nothing to do with putting out flowers in the church building. And other things like that. It's a gift from God. And all we have to do is receive that gift. You see, it's not works. It's to do with believing and receiving. Do you believe? Do you receive? Have you received? Do you? Do you? Have you? Now, St. Paul, as you know, uh, the Bible tells us quite a bit about his work and his ministry. And um, in fact, in Acts chapter 26, he's giving a, his, an account of his life, brief summary um, you do know of course that the first part of the book of Acts is about the ministry of Peter and John and the second half is about Paul you all know that of course don't you of course you do uh, but he's been arrested for his faith he's been on his missionary tours he's back in Jerusalem and he's been arrested and he appears for a number of trials he's before Felix Festus and eventually he's before Agrippa, King Agrippa, who knew something about the Jewish faith. Because I, I think he was an Idumean. It was sort of like a, over there. But he knew something. And he's been called in to consult and discuss. So he says, tell us about your life, Paul. What is it about you? How is it that you got to be here? And we've just shared, and Pastor Natalie's read that from 1 Peter 3.15. And I had it before you got it. I did have that. But it says simply this, that we should always be prepared and ready to give an account of what we believe when we're asked. So when we're asked, we should be ready. Why do you believe as you believe? How is it you've got that faith? Where did that come from? I remember you from before. Now you're different. What happened? And that's how it should be with us. 
So Paul's given the opportunity. And he shares these words and he says he came, he was commissioned to go to the Gentiles, to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness, to turn from the power of Satan to God and to receive forgiveness of sins. Have we received? Amen. The interesting thing is that Grippa says, Agrippa says, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. Almost. We're ministering to a lady in the village now where we live. We've almost persuaded her. Her children are saved. Her children attend church. She's almost persuaded. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. We can't do it. But praise God. Jesus said this. Or it is said of Jesus. Yet to all who did receive him. To those who believe in his name. He gave the right. To become children of God. Two things. To receive. And to believe. Amen. So the redemption. The work done by Christ. Was all the sovereign work of God. He planned it. Before the foundation of the earth. He brought us back. Ransomed. Healed. Restored. Forgiven. Great act of God. So how did he do this? Well we've been singing much about it. Thank you Chris and the team this morning. The cross. The old rugged cross if you like. It was a place of supreme triumph some have thought of it as a tragedy oh Jesus he died and was on the cross in many traditional churches you still see him there on the cross but he's not he's risen he's risen he's not on the cross anymore but it was the way the means that God chose there's nothing more certain in time and eternity of what Jesus did on the cross and Jesus said this, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. The other version says they're peoples. I don't like those who meddle. Meddle with the word. They've done it to be politically correct. But the word men includes women. All included. Mankind, if you like. And Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. Can you say amen? You see, the people didn't understand then. Even at the time of the crucifixion, they didn't understand. And some of the rulers were jeering and shouting and saying things like this. Well, he saved others, but he can't save himself. Save himself? Look at him. He can't. I mean, look at him hanging on the cross. He saved all those others. But that wasn't his purpose. He could have called on ten legions of angels and they would have sorted out the mess. But God had planned it. God had foreordained, foreordained it before the foundation of the earth. You see, if it's sympathy that human beings need, then the cross is the farce. What they need is a surgical operation. It's not a little dab of love will do you. A little bit of love. All you need is a bit of love. You need a surgical operation. Something needs cutting off or replaced. Hip operation for some, knees for others. 
cut it off. Take away a, a, a stony heart and replace it with a heart of flesh. Surgery is wanted. And only the Lord can do that. Amen. So the cross. A little bit of theology this morning. I like a little bit of theology. Do you like a little bit of theology? Just a little bit, not too much, just a bit. Don't go too deep, Pete. No, no, I won't go too deep. But Paul's understanding of the cross set in contrast to what the world thought. When Paul's talking about wisdom, the wisdom of the world, the wisdom of the world, the Greeks were, um, they were always wanting wisdom, talking about wisdom. The Jews wanted a sign. Give us a sign, give us a sign. The Greeks wanted to talk about wisdom. But human wisdom. But there's a spiritual wisdom that's different than the human wisdom. Human wisdom and the cross, they, they're diametrically opposed. Contradiction. The cross, anything done in the way God saw things was a contradiction to what one would think. But it was where God had demonstrated his love for the world. Demonstrated his love to redeem, in redeeming grace, man from a sinful situation. In 1 Corinthians 2 verse 8, Paul summarizes this contrast between human wisdom and natural wisdom and spiritual wisdom. And concerning the cross, he says this, For which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. The Jews didn't know. The Pharisees didn't know. Pilate didn't know. The soldiers didn't know. And the rulers of this age didn't know. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But God knew. Praise God he knew. And he purposed it and planned it. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. And there's another scripture to hold on if you're looking for some healing. You said in your word, Lord, by his stripes we were healed. And if we were, then we are. Just receive it by faith. Believe and receive. You see, Jesus took on himself the penalty for sin. And in doing that, he removed our guilt. And we sure as mankind were guilty. Have you ever been in a courtroom? Have you ever been in a court? Some, you, well, you're all right, Pastor Natalie. Some have been in. It depends where you are in the court. If you're, the, if you're in the gallery, it's pretty safe up there. But if you're before the judge and or jury, you're waiting for the verdict. What would, what would be the verdict of the judge before we got saved? Guilty. But because of what Jesus did, he says, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty because someone else has paid the price. Someone else is going to do the penance 
and the like. We've been redeemed, we've been set free. And I'll get more onto the blood in a minute. Cleared from guilt. I read a little book one day, it's a marvelous little book. It says the title is, The Prison Doors Are Open, What Are You Still Doing Inside? What are you doing inside if you're still inside? You should be outside proclaiming the word of God. Amen. No more fetters. Take the shackles off. Gone. Redeemed. Free from sin. Can walk as a free man or a woman. This really is justification. Now that's a big word. That's a great subject for someone to preach on one day. Justification. Being made right with God. That's what justification is. And all those other things I've mentioned. And more. You get much more for your money with justification. Praise God. And the way now is open for us. Because of what he did. That's why we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Receive help in a time of need. There's another scripture. If you've got a need. I can come boldly because of who I am in Christ. Not because of me. I've got no righteousness. But because of who I am in Christ. Boldly to the throne of grace. Can you say amen? So the cross didn't just happen to Jesus. He came for it. The Lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the earth. So the incarnation was the purpose of redemption. He came to die. A sovereign work of God as we've seen. The means was the cross. So now to the person. Redemption is personified in one person only. That one person is Jesus the Christ. No one else, only one. Because he was the only one who had the qualifications. He did talk about qualifications. Was it grace that he had? Yes. Was it truth? Yes, he was full of grace and truth. Did he know the Old Testament? Yes, he did. But he had one qualification that no one else had. What was that? The word of God tells us there in 2 Corinthians. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. No one else had that qualification. No sin. I do not see in the Bible anywhere that Jesus became a sinner. But he took upon himself the sin of the world. And sin is a condition. And that's a little word with big consequences. Lots of consequences from that little word. But praise God we have a redeemer. And his name is Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? amen? So the sovereign act, the means, the person, and now the price. In 1 Corinthians 6 verse 20, it says you were bought at a price. Therefore honor God with your bodies. And I do like Weymouth's translation. It's, 
<laughs> it says on the front of it, it says, in modern English, it was written about 100 years ago, but <laughs> hardly modern then. Well, it was modern then, but it ain't now, because now we speak like that. <laughs> it says, you are not your own, for you have been redeemed at an infinite cost redeemed what was that cost the cost was his life the cost was his blood the cost was him his very self he gave himself so that we could be redeemed we're going to now go into a time of communion I will read you a little story then um, Gia and Chris are going to minister to us in song. And I would ask you to reflect on what it means to you to have been redeemed as you take the elements in your time as this we're listening to the song. For those who don't know how to, the cup has got a little plastic film on the top which can be easily removed to expose the bread. And then with a little bit more effort, the aluminium foil can be removed to reveal the wine. So I've got this story for you. It's a story of a little boy who was quite skilled with his hands, and he made a boat little boat, little model boat. He prepared this thing with a lot of love, a lot of care, and a lot of attention. Made a little mast and a sail, and he took it down to the stream to launch it. Tied a piece of string on it, put it in the water, and the stream, it went down a little bit with the current. Wow, it sailed perfectly. But then the current got a little bit faster and he started to run after it. A little bit faster the current went, the boat went faster and then the string snapped and the boat was gone, disappeared. Saddened he went home. Next day he was in town and he saw the boat in a shop window. He went in and said, hey, that's my boat. The shopkeeper said, no, somebody brought it in yesterday. If you want that, you've got to buy it. How much? He says, $10. He ran home, raided all his cash of money, got the $10, came back, gave the shopkeeper the $10, and he got his boat. And he held the boat to himself. And he said, now you're twice mine. First I made you then I bought you. That is the story of redemption. And so to the word of God concerning the communion, the body and the blood. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. 
This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Don't partake yet. Only do it when you're reflecting and being ministered to. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Thank you. I'll never be more loved than I am right now. Wasn't holding you up, so there's nothing I can do to let you down. It doesn't take a trophy to make you proud. But I'll never be more loved than I am right now. Going through a storm. I can see so clear what it's all about. Stay by my side when the sun goes down. I don't want to forget how I feel right now. you've spoken I'm already loved more than I can imagine that is enough I'm already loved 
Jesus, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you for the love poured out for us, God. Jehovah Jireh, you are more than enough, God, our provider. We can be content with any circumstance. We thank you, Jesus, for that. We thank you, God, for sending your Son. Thank you that he was buried. We thank you that we can celebrate the resurrection three days later. 
We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And just while we're in this moment, I just want to give an opportunity. And if you don't know Jesus here this morning, the Jesus that we've been speaking about, the Jesus that died for our sins, for your sins, for my sins. I want to give an opportunity for you to know this Jesus that we've been talking about this morning. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. And all we need to do, if you want to know him this morning, to accept him as your Lord and your Savior and putting your trust in him. And it just starts with a simple decision this morning from turning away from your sin and turning towards Jesus with a simple prayer. Asking him to meet you where you are and forgive you of your sins. And he'll give you a brand new life. You know, 16 years ago, I gave my heart to Jesus. And my life has never been the same again. It's definitely not been perfect at all. It's been a journey, a roller coaster of ups and downs. But I'm so thankful for my Jesus, the Jesus that died on the cross for me. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, just want to give an opportunity right here, right now. If you don't know this Jesus, loving Father in heaven, if you don't know him right now, I just want to give an opportunity on the count of three. One, Jesus loves you. Two, he died on the cross for you. Three, he wants to be in a relationship with you. If that's you, put up your hand right now and we can say a prayer. So, Father, again, we thank you. That you died on the cross for our sins, God. We thank you for your redeeming love. We thank you for your goodness, God. And I pray right now, Father, for a boldness to come across upon all of us this morning so we can share your love to those around us, to our families to our workplaces, to our schools, to the communities that we find ourselves in, God. I I pray right now, Father, that we can share your love, God, to all those around us, God. God, as we go into our weeks, highlight people, God, that we can be your hands and feet, Jesus. Put on our hearts who we could invite to church next week, God. So I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for who you are and what you did on the cross for us all those years ago. And all God's people said, Amen.